This is the GGC Life Podcast. Happy New Year to everybody, by the way. Uh, if I didn't see you last week, Happy New Year. Uh, it is 2023. Brand new year. And uh, obviously, every year is, I mean, to the way that we measure time. But I do believe God works in seasons. And I feel like we are entering into a really cool season as a church, as the church worldwide. And uh, the beautiful thing that we can uh, lean into, everybody say lean in. Someone who can lean into a promise of God is that in Joel, he, through Joel, he prophesied that in the last days, he'd pour out his spirit on all flesh. So it's happening. It's already happened. We're in the last days. It's already happened. It's happening and it's going to happen. Amen. It's happened. It's happening and it's going to happen. And there's more. There's more for him to pour out. And so I'm really excited for that. I feel like we're going to see more of that this year, which is really beautiful. We're in a series um, around like supernatural living and we've called it uh, By My Spirit comes from the scripture in Zechariah 4. Zechariah is one of the Old Testament prophets. And Zechariah is tasked with prophesying to the, one of the kings of Israel, the rulers of Israel in that time, to rebuild the temple that was torn down by Babylon. You know, sometimes we allow Babylon or the world uh, or sin to tear down what God is trying to establish and build up. We live in the new covenant, which is a beautiful thing, which means that no sin and no guilt and no shame, there is no heights, no depths that can separate us from the love of God. And that's the beautiful thing we get to lean into, the grace of God. Uh, we have also, though, been tasked into, we've, ta- we've been tasked to lean in, though. Um, God calls us to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. It's this challenge that we're given. And so anyway, uh, but by my spirit, let's get back to that. So Zechariah 4, let me read it. Uh, Zechariah's prophesying, uh, giving this charge uh, to the ruler of Israel to rebuild the temple. And he's about to give this whole prophetic word, but he says this. He kind of opens it in chapter 4 by saying this. Not by might. Everybody say not. Not by might, not by power. Everybody say not. Again, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's a beautiful thing because it's an invitation to lean into his spirit, to his power, to his strength, not our own. Because we are, we are weak, we are flawed, there are things that we, we fall short. God is renewing us, restoring us into the fullness of His image. But let me tell you, until we get there, we need His grace. We need that empowering strength that brings us to completion. Um, and so my message this morning is titled, Lean In. Um, spoiler alert, I should have given a spoiler alert for the slide. Didn't have to give an intro for the Lean In. But Lean In, everybody say Lean In. Why don't you lean in physically right now, shuffle forward to the edge of your seat. Let's just lean in. Oh, glory. (laughs) All right. Um, You know, um, a little while ago, I completely destroyed my car. I was driving this like really, really, really old car, but it was surviving. And it was like, I think the grace of God, that thing was, I don't know how it was making all the weirdest noises. Every time you turn, it sounded like the axle was going to snap and terrible sounding car. Um, but it was, it survived. Anyway, I was driving down the highway one time and the car starts to smoke. Okay. Now, usually this would be fine. You know, you pull over, you figure it, figure it out. Um, but I had just purchased a KFC ultimate burger box. He knows what I'm talking about. And I didn't want that ultimate burger box 
to go cold, soggy. It's already oily. So you've got to take that thing when it's hot. And um, anyway, so I'm like, I'm thinking, flip, this is the worst timing. I just spent my money on this and I wanted to enjoy the drive. Anyway, so what I did is I pulled, o- I pulled off the highway. I pulled over. I, I popped to the hood. It's called the hood, right? I popped to the hood and I looked at the engine and it was like smoking, like so much smoke. I should have got a picture up for you, like really, really bad. And, and it was pretty scary. And so I'm thinking, okay, I got to deal with this. I just got to go home. In the past, I call my, my, he might be watching, but I call my father-in-law to deal with car issues. But like, I'm just constantly calling him. And it's like, I never learn. I'm like, I, just, I need, should know how to use my car by now. And I'm always calling him. Sorry, Frank. Um, anyway, so I thought this time, I'm just going to deal with it. I'll be fine. I'm just going to cool the car down. So I popped the hood and there was a bottle of water in my car, luckily. And so I unscrewed the, the cap on the top of the engine where the oil usually goes into. And I'm like, all right, let's cool this baby down. And I start pouring all the water in. Within like three or four seconds, it was like the Pepsi Mentos experiment. The engine literally found, like it was like a fountain. It exploded up. And I was like, what the hell just happened? I didn't, it didn't even click straight away. And so I called Frank. I said, Frank, this car's going to explode. And I quickly ran away. I grabbed my stuff and I called him. And he's like, what? That's so strange. I've never heard of that in my life. I took a photo and I sent it to him. And he's like, why is the... Because I was obviously supposed to pour a bit of water into the coolant thing, the radiator or whatever, I don't know, just to get it to the next... And he's like, why is the oil cap unscrewed? (laughs) And he's like, no, no, no way. And he's... Anyways... If you know Frank, he was swearing his head off. Frank's an amazing man. And, um, and he couldn't believe it. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. But here's the thing. Pride comes before a fall. If I humble myself in that moment, if I lent into the wisdom that Frank has, Frank's like been in cars his whole life. Like I could, I could have called him. I could have sorted out my car. I wouldn't have had to spend some, you know, try and tow off my car, spend money on towing and purchase a new car and all that sort of stuff. But because of my ignorance, because of my pride, I didn't deal with it. And, uh, you know, God's calling us to uh, not, you know, Proverbs 3 actually says this. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. Everybody say lean not. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Pride says, I can do this. I got this. It it might even sound like what uh, the world calls affirmations. Now, you might have your own affirmations. This, I mean, this Christ-centered affirmations is beautiful. But let me tell you, apart from God, apart from Christ, we are powerless. In Christ, we can do all things. Apart from Him, we can't. We're empty. Snoop Dogg has these um, uh, affirmations for children. And his affirmations go, um, oh, that's right. There is no one better to be than myself. There is no one. You got to repeat it after me. So, there is no one better to be than myself. Hey. Jesus. You can be Jesus. <laughs> I'm joking. Today's going to be an amazing day. Anyway, um, it goes on. And it's, it really, it's actually the message that the world uh, projects. It's, it's actually a very popular message today. Believe in yourself. It's the Disney message. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And uh, I, look, I definitely believe God has called us to put off negative thoughts. God has called us to put off uh, anxieties and doubts. You actually cast them on Him. The, uh, I think it's... Um, is it in James where it says, keep whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is true, whatever is noble, keep your mind on these things. And so that is a culture that we're called to carry. It's a kingdom culture. Keep our mind on what God has called us to keep our mind on. But here's the thing. You're probably great, right? I'm sure you're you're amazing at what you do, but you're going to stuff up eventually. (laughs) You're probably going to stuff up sometime soon. Jesus, on the other hand, 
Uh, he's perfect. He's incredible. And he invites us to lean into him. And when we lean into him, we can calibrate ourselves to his ultimate will, his ultimate purpose. We can calibrate ourselves to what he's leading us into for this year. Like why, why, why would we ever want to figure out our own path and our own journey in this world, find our own truth when there's an ultimate truth already established, already alive. That is Jesus. And for me, I'd rather surrender my own wisdom. You know, Proverbs warns us and says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. If you've lived long enough, you probably experience a little bit of that death every now and then when you've walked your own way. Sometimes when you're younger or you're filled, like for me, like I've been so many times I'm like, no, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm thinking. This logic is sound. And then like later down the track, I experience a destruction. But um, we, the only true way that you, can, um, that you can compare these things is like, you, it's impossible to like live your entire life and test if your way is better than Jesus um, until you maybe get to the end sometimes. The reality is Jesus' way is always the best. It's worked for generations, thousands, like thousands of years now. And uh, multiple generations of believers and Christians have held fast to this faith. They've lent into God and he has lent them into everything that he's calling them to be in. Um, for in him all things are created, amen? Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, this is from Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 16 says this, and all things have been created through him and for him. So if all things are created through him and for him, then uh, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church, the, the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn among the dead. Man, we don't want to be decapitated church. <laughs> We don't want to be a, 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 a headless church running around, figuring out our own thing. Uh, we should lean into the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Okay. And we see in Scripture so many examples time and time again of people leaning away from God. Maybe leaning into themselves and leaning into their own wisdom. But God has called us to lean into Him. Genesis 3 is a story, we find the story of Adam and Eve, the first example of this, where we deviate from the will of God. And uh, I think there's some really cool things to explore here. I'm going to read it to you. Um, I'm reading in Genesis 3 verse 1. If you want to read along, if you're writing notes, it's a cool scripture to study. Uh, Genesis 3 verse 1, and it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. Who knows that the world is crafty? The world is convincing with their arguments and their, their logic seems sound. But there's a way that seems right to a man but leads unto death. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat from the, the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not. And then... And then um, for God knows that when you eat from it, that's right. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Everybody say like God. So he's selling it to them as Godhood apart from God. That's the message of today. We are gods. We, we, we have this ability, this something special. Yes, 100% in him, in Christ the head. And it says, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Who knows that when we take the position of judging good and evil into our own hands, the world falls into chaos and corruption. Again, that's what we've seen in the world. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, sounded good, looked good, uh, 
she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Okay, the fruit of this tree, I read it and I'm like, man, this represents independence from God. Independence from God. Now, in Western society, independence is like, I think it's, it's synonymous with maturity, right? Like we subconsciously consider that as we grow up, even like, you know, we have, there's a lot of, I'm not saying Eastern culture is kingdom culture, but there are a lot of Eastern cultures where babies will sleep with their mums like for ages in their, in, their bed, in their beds. Whereas like, it's a big like thing of Western culture, at least it has been, that you know, uh, wean them off. Make sure you don't carry a baby too long because they'll become dependent on you. Make sure you don't keep the baby in your room for too long. And I'm not saying which way is right or wrong, but let me tell you, when it comes to God, God is not calling us to be independent of Him. God is calling us to be unashamedly, unapologetically dependent on God as our source, on Jesus as our head and our King. And he's calling us, if we want to live this supernatural life, it's not going to be by our power or our might, but it's going to be by his spirit. It's going to be through him as the head who strengthens us. The, the snake is selling it to Adam and Eve, that they will be like God. And, and, and this, is what, this is what was attractive to them. And it flung the world into darkness and disease. Any wisdom or power or strength apart from God, it's weak and it's less than best. You know, there might, you might see people living impressive lives, but it's less than their best. And it ultimately leads to chaos. Um, you know, Elias thinks he knows what's best for him. My little son, my little two-year-old boy. And you've, you've heard me tell this story, so like things like examples of him just, he pulls open the pantry all the time. And he, and he loves to make himself, well, not make himself, but he loves to chow down on wheat bix But he loves to chow down on dry wheat bix Like anytime we open up the cupboard and we see him chow, he's chowing down on dry wheat bix And I'm thinking, this poor boy doesn't understand that if you just, I mean, if you just asked, you know, he's like, Dad, like maybe he's bored eating. Dad, I'm bored. He's like, oh, let's go to the park. Let's go, let's go, let's go hang out. Let's make, let's make some proper wheat bix with some milk or, you know, strawberries or whatever you have it with. And, um, you know, if I gave Elias what he wanted in that moment, it actually would ruin him. It's what we should seek is what God wants for us. Not just what we want for ourselves, it's what God wants for us. And so when he leans into me, my son, I can invite him to play, go for a walk. I can share a story with him. We can enjoy um, our day together. So my challenge with this scripture is, guys, don't take the fruit the enemy has placed before you. Independence from God. Like, don't, don't buy into that. God has called us to be dependent on him. God has called us to see him as our source. And like, I was going to preach on prayer today, but things kind of shifted. But like, the object of prayer is actually, it's an invitation for us to, to outwork our relationship with Him. It's like the function of our relationship with Him. And it's, it's continuing to see Him as Father and living as His children and His sons and daughters. That's, that is the core. Like, um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. This, this, I used to like struggle with the concept of prayer. Because I'm like, okay. Is prayer, like how is prayer different? Is prayer like a, a placebo-based affirmations uh, tool? Or are we actually working with something here, like something supernatural? Is there something happening when I'm praying, you know? Or am I convincing myself that, oh, you know, God has called me to be strong. God, it's like, that. well, then if that was the case, 
then the world with their affirmations and their confessions to the universe would have the same power as us. It's not the case. And we're going to look at that in just a little bit. But God has called us not to lean on ourselves, but to lean into Him. Everybody say lean in. Lean in. The fruit of the tree ruins our appetite for the things of God. We fill ourselves with this fruit of knowledge of good and evil, this fruit of independence. And we get so filled with this that we, we're not hungry for the things of God. We're like, no, I'm satisfied. The world's got me. Man, the amount of times, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like the Holy Spirit trying to like, you know, <laughs> convict me. The amount of times on the way home, I'll pick up like a drive through meal and I get home and Vanessa's like, hey, let's have a cheap meal together. And she's like, let's have Maccas. I'm like, I'm thinking, I just had Maccas. <laughs> but I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I, I got I to eat again with her so I don't break her heart. And so that's how you, <laughs> this year is a year of self-control and discipline in Jesus' name. Um, oh, glory. Um, anyway, <laughs> was I saying that? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, when I fill myself with the things of the world, I lose my appetite for the things of God. And God is calling us to lean into Him and put away the things of the world. Consider like, there was nothing wrong with Jesus' disciples being fishermen. But because of their call, they saw that what was necessary for them to do to follow Jesus was to put down their nets and follow Jesus. What do you need to put down? What do you need to put down? What fruit has the world offered to you? This is the convincing that the serpent is a convincing serpent. And it might sound right and it might be, it might be like it sits well with you. Does it sit well with his word? Amen? We're not called to be independent from God, too full to take in what he has for us. Adam and Eve, after taking the fruit, they lent away from God. And the story shows, it goes on to show that Adam and Eve hid from God. What's crazy to consider, someone once mentioned this, that uh, God still turned up for the walk in the cool of the evening. God still called. And I mean, that's like an interesting concept. I'm not trying to make some claim about, uh, some doctrinal claim. I'm just trying to say it's, it's worth considering that a big part of what God was dealing with when it came to dealing with sin was our guilt and our shame. And it was our reaction to the sin uh, where we would run away he needed to deal with that and so he comes in and is like don't worry I paid the debt I, I come and I pay the debt that you did owe a debt it's like, God, God is a just judge you did owe a debt but I'll pay it for you the debt's not it's, it's been cleared there was a debt and now it's been cleared and now you can walk into my arms now the, the veil that covered the holy of holies is torn in two now you can fully access and lean into and we needed that grace to lean into him and as we lean into him I'm telling you he will grace us for everything he's calling us to walk out into this year that's what graces us for the supernatural life not by our power not by our might but by his spirit lean into him so why is this so important to catch? Because the world is on a mission to get you to believe in yourself apart from God. And this sets you up for failure. But Jesus invites us to believe in Him, and that's the point of the gospel. All right, another story I want to I intro you to is this uh, cool encounter between Jesus and a centurion man. This Roman centurion, uh, this Roman centurion uh, had authority over about 80 soldiers. You know, he, he was like... You know, he, was, he had a, a high-ranking uh, status in the Roman world, and he was a Roman citizen. In fact, this essentially placed him as an authority over Jesus, right? The Jews were considered scum. I'm talking politically. And so G, uh, the Rome, this Roman centurion, he, he, 
he has a servant that's sick. But he's hearing these rumors of a man named Jesus, a Jewish man that was going around healing people. And he's like, okay, I got to get a hold of this. If this is what I need to see this guy healed, I need it. And you know what? This Roman centurion shows us he's, he's a Gentile and yet... Uh, We see an example of Adam and Eve leaning away from God in their sin, but we see an example of this Roman centurion leaning into Jesus because he knows he can't do it without him. And so Matthew 8, uh, verse 5 is where the story is. It says, uh, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. It's the first key. He's asking. He's actually asking. How often are we asking God? When we pray, understand that He's calling us to ask of Him in His name. Whatever we ask of Him, He will do it. And it's asking you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And it's not a thing of like, yeah, but God knows anyway. God knows what I need. What's the point of praying? It's because this is a relationship device. It's a function of our relationship with him. And he's called us like children. When, when your kids are hungry, they come to you like, Mom, I need a peanut butter sandwich. And mom's like, okay, no problem. Or maybe not, because you've had three already. Um, but the thing is, God's called us to lean into him. Okay. And so the scripture continues on. And it says, Lord, this is Cheerion, Lord, my servant lies at the home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and he said to those following, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's us. We're from the West. Australia. Amen. And um, this, this Roman man could have done what so many people in our world today do, which is you convince yourself of your own ability and your own strength. This guy is like, you know what? I'm a Roman official. I have access to the best physicians, the best doctors, and I don't need to talk to this person. I, I am... I am I, I am strong within myself, but it was him considering what he could not do and submitting himself to the power of Jesus that opened the doors for God to do what he did. And so that's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to lean into him. Amen? Lean into him. Okay. We're getting to the end of this thing. Okay, and so this is kind of when I want to land-ish. Um, I feel like God is calling us to lean in, and after having lent in, He's calling us to launch out. And another way that I felt the Lord was uh, sharing this with me is that um, He's called us to pray and obey. Pray and obey. When we go to Him, we're going to ask of Him the things that he, he actually delights in, you know, we're not called to do everything ourselves. We're called to go to the one who, who, who can move the mountains and can, you know, uh, change things and shift things and maybe shift people's hearts. But he's also, we, after having gone to him, he graces us to then also obey. And then we walk this thing out. 
And then we believe in what God is going to do. And then we contend for those things. And then we share the gospel. Then we lay hands on the sick and we see them recover. That's what we, we pray and then we obey. We encounter him and then we can't help but launch out. We lean in and then we launch out. So back to that sort of idea. I, I might touch on this quickly. Is prayer a placebo-based affirmation practice? What sets it apart from speaking positive vibes into the universe? Okay, I mentioned it's a core function of our relationship dynamic with God. It's not, it's not just like, ah, oh, we're going to speaking things. There's a person. There, there, the Father is a person. And we're called to re- relate with this person of the Father through Christ Jesus. And um, it actually keeps him in the role of Father as we remain his sons and daughters, choosing family over being independent. He's calling us to choose family over being independent. It's not simply an affirmation exercise because there's no rebellion, there's no power in rebellious prayers. Do you know you can't accidentally pray the wrong thing? Because God only, God only grants and releases what is within his will to grant and release. Now, okay. This might seem confusing, but here's, I'm just going to do a quick train of uh, Scripture, and you can go and study it a, a little further yourself. Um, again, you know, Jesus says, for example, um, he only does what he sees the Father doing. So that's perfect theology right there, is that he only does what he sees the Father doing. Now, the one time that I can find in, like, you know, New Testament Scripture, I'm like, that's an interesting thing. Did Jesus get frustrated or whatever, um, and he accidentally spoke the wrong thing because there's power in his words, right? Um, and so Jesus curses the fig tree that didn't have fruit. You remember that? Remember Jesus curses? Okay, but this is the thing, right? Jesus only does what he sees the Father doing. So it wasn't some mistake that he accidentally... Uh, released something that wasn't of God. In fact, you consider the disciples that went to go cast out demons and they couldn't, yet it was the will of God. There's more examples of it being the will of God, but us not seeing the release of His will than we ever see an accidental release of His will. And so having, if you, if you consider that and you survey Scripture, you realize, man, there's no power in just confessing the wrong thing, or accidentally leading you. Yes, there's power in your action. Yeah, if you're walking into a place of sin, and you're walking into destruction, and you're walking away from God, you're going to see the consequence of that. But God is calling us to ask of Him. Lean into Him, pray the daring prayers, and understand that He's going to guide us, and He's going to lead us by His Spirit. Amen? Okay. It's not, it's sowing and reaping isn't karma as well. This is something to consider, okay? Uh, God's called us to sow, and in the kingdom, you can only sow kingdom things. You can't, it, yes, so when you sow generosity, you're going to reap generosity, right? Um, you don't get in the new covenant as Christians, Jesus became, became the curse. Galatians 3 says Jesus became the curse, which means that when, if you sow a curse, you're not going to receive a curse. You're covered by the blood. It doesn't work like that. That's karma. You sow bad stuff, you're going to receive bad stuff. But when you sow good things, you receive good things. If you don't sow good things, you're going to miss out on reaping the harvest of good things in the seasons to come. And so that's where the challenge comes. It's like, what are we leaning into? What are we sowing into? What are we praying out and contending for in this season that we want to be walking? out throughout the rest of this year. And so coming back to this, it's like, okay, 
Well, it's not just a confessions thing. It's not just power in the tongue either, because the Bible is, when it talks about power in the tongue, so often it's like Proverbs 18, where it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's a whole chapter of relationships. It's talking about stop gossiping, stop tearing others down, stop lying behind people's backs. It's this, it's this idea of like, guys, stop. but what we have power in, the power is in His will. The power is in praying and seeing God's will come to pass. And so there isn't some superstitious thing or some placebo-based thing uh, happening here. It's a true, it's a manifestation of our relationship with God. When we pray, when we spend time with Him and we say, Lord, these are the things in my heart. God, would you save this person? God, would you do this? God's like, yes, I would love to. I love to give bread to my children. Amen. Okay. Yes, it glorifies the Father when a son walks in his purpose. And so God wants it, like Jesus actually says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Awesome. All right, I think that's cool. Let him be your Father. Let him be your guardian, your provider, your inspirer. There's so many scriptures in, in the Bible, like 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 18, 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take my refuge and my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold, you, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah 41, 10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Um, Jeremiah, or John, we'll go John 16 verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he will speak, he will declare to you the things that are come. Okay, so that's the spirit as comforter and inspirer. God's called us to go to him as our source. Let Jesus be the head again. Lean in and then I feel like he's calling us to launch out, launch into what God wills in obedience. And I think, to be honest, I'll, this is where we'll finish. Moses, um, the story of Moses is an incredible story. And the moment in, in his journey that like uh, speaks to me so much is uh, that encounter with the burning bush. And so Moses is there and he encounters this burning bush and it shifts everything in him. He'd, just, he'd been the one running away. Just like Adam and Eve, he leant away. When he sinned and when he, he murdered someone, he killed someone, he started running away from all this stuff. And he's, and he's running away and he's leaning away. But one encounter with God, the Spirit of God, launched him into everything that he was called to do. Gave him instruction, gave him purpose, gave him guidance, inspired him, gave him the words to speak, told him what to do. It was all in that place of presence and surrender. We start off hesitant and God's, God's maybe spoken a word over us. Like, man, God, you don't know what, you don't, you don't know how disqualified I am. Like, I can't do that. And the God's like, man, I'm going to sustain you. That's the point of this journey is so I can manifest my glory through you. Think about when someone asks why I think it's someone was born blind or someone was born lame. Was it the sin of their parents? Someone's asking Jesus. It's like, no, it's for the glory of God. It's so that the glory of God will be displayed. This man be healed and the glory of God displayed. It's like in every moment that God, in everything that God calls you to carry out as you worship him, 
It's, it's honor to him. It's glory to him. So encounter him. Follow his voice. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Follow his voice. Listen for him. I love how Moses is, is told to take off his sandals. It's like get a little closer. Get a little closer to what God is doing. Get humble. Humble yourself. Put aside interruptions and then obey, obey, obey. Sell and abandon what it takes. Give and sow what you must. Go where you must. And be reminded of this. I just feel like this is something that like is currently on my heart. We're going to share this later on in the year. Um, but like getting back to as a church, okay, as, I, think as, I think churches have gone through, um, there's been things where like we've, we've come into this revelation of, you know, <sighs> kingdom ministry that looks like being Christ. In, our, uh, in the marketplace and in the world, with the light of the world, which is so true. Uh, but I just want to remind us that the manifestation of that is the ultimate uh, command and commission that we were given when Jesus left, with, that he left us with, the charge he left us with, was to make disciples. It's an unapologetic command that Jesus gave to us. And it's not a side gig. It's not just, you know, there are scriptures that say, you know, um, uh, about making, I think it's like actioning your faith so that they would see your good deeds and God, God will be glorified in heaven. But the final black and white thing that Jesus said to us was go into all the world and make disciples. And it's like, is that still our primary cause? Or have we bought into the idea that our, the actual work that we do is our identity? Because you know, we worship God with our work. Yeah, 100%. But that's not actually even our ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is not to be a pastor. Your ultimate goal is not to be, you know, um, a plumber or a, an IT guy or a, a technician, whatever. Um, your ultimate goal is to make disciples. That actually comes above. It's actually, it's not a church person thing. It's not the job of the church either. It's not a connect group thing. It's actually your thing. It's your thing. That's what we launch into. But it only, you can only run into that when you've encountered Him and you, you will be sustained by Him. Um, I love the lyrics and there's a, there's a uh, Brooke Fraser or Brooke Lidgetwood song, old song called Albertine. She, come, she came back from Rwanda and she just wrote this song. She was so impacted by seeing all the devastation in that country. She says, Now that I have seen, I am responsible. Faith without deeds is dead. Now that I have held you in my own arms, I cannot let go. And obviously that's inspired by James 2. What does it profit if someone says he has faith but cannot action it? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed, you know, speaking good vibes over them and be filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus, faith by itself, if not actioned, is dead. The beautiful thing about this is that it's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. Zechariah was asked to rebuild the destroyed temple. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. What the enemy has worked to tear down, what sin has come to corrupt in your life, the Spirit has come to restore, to renew, to relaunch. And I think sometimes what we do is you know, just remember this. We lean in or we miss out. That's the reality. Sometimes though, some, some of us, we, we lean out and there's a reason we lean out. Have you ever like gone out for the day and forgot to brush your teeth in the morning? 
It's the worst thing. Like you just stop. You don't talk. It's like, oh, awesome. Thanks. Nice to meet you. And you're just always walking away from people. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, you know, like everyone, whenever, for some reason, anytime someone prays for you at church, their breath stinks. Is that like a thing? I'm joking. We need mints on the front. Um, now, the thing is, like, when, when, you, when you forget to brush your teeth, you lean away. You're, you're not, you're not. And it's the same thing with sin and, and shame and guilt. And, and what we do is we lean away because we think we've been disqualified. And we, uh, we become, we've somehow become unaware of what God did about our sin. The whole point of Jesus coming to the gospel is that he would grace us to live this Christian life. And he graces us. He opens, up, um, he opens up the Holy of Holies and He graces us uh, to come into His presence. And when we come into His presence, He gives us everything we need to be launched out. And so for some of us, I think we've bought into this thing that like, now nah, I've been disqualified. You don't know how terrible. I'm not living that Christian life. I don't read enough. I don't pray enough. I don't, I'm, I'm a sinful guy. I swear at work. I, I do all this, I don't know. Um, like, whatever you think it is that disqualifies you, like, it's the point of Jesus on the cross. And so you can come to Him as a disqualified person and be qualified and be renewed. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. God, we know for 2023, we're going to need you. We're going to need to lean in. And right now, Lord, I just, I just speak and, and comm- I, 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 I declare over uh, this house that shame would be broken. I pray that you would uh, draw us deeper into a revelation of our righteousness in you, God. Father, that shame, guilt, um, and sin would not separate us from your glory that empowers us, God. And Father, I thank you that you're drawing people people deeper in. And Father, that you would restore to them the revelation of the gospel, that the good news is that you did everything that we needed done to get back to you. And Lord, I pray that from that, you would launch us into everything you're calling us to live out, this supernatural lifestyle by your spirit, that we'd see the world saved, that we'd see this gospel go out to the very ends of the earth, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.